Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This book by Dr. Damien Dauphiné discusses specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic patients. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, board-certified foot and ankle surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, fellowship-trained podiatric surgeon, and we are The Pod Doctors. Each week, The Pod Doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways that our wonderful foot can malfunction and cause us problems. So please find us on all the platforms where you find your typical podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and YouTube where you can view our videos. So please like and subscribe, and we will see you next time on The Pod Doctors. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné. I'm here with my partner. Dr. Rafi Hussein. And this is episode number 50. Big 5-0. Big 5-0, which is uh, pretty amazing. And we want to thank everybody who subscribes to the YouTube channel or through our Spotify RSS feed. This week, we are going to talk about the dreaded skin disease, Veruca plantaris. A.K.A. your plantar warts. Yes. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> All right. So we've talked about corns and calluses and other differential diagnoses before uh, that look very similar to warts. But we haven't talked about warts specifically, now that I you know, can recall. But let's dive in. So clinically, we have a patient come in. They'll come in with these lumps and bumps on their, their feet or on their legs or hands or wherever they have them. And they'll be like, oh, I think I got a corn or a callus or I got a splinter in there. You know, super common that patients will say, I got a splinter because they kind of see that 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 um, pinpoint bleeding, the little uh, black spots on there. And they're like, I try to pick it out, but it's so tender. And uh, I just can't get anything out. I had the, uh, the missus trying to dig it out. And I can't get anything out. <laughs> a little bathroom surgery. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll be like, all right, let's take a peek. And... And uh, we'll be like, oh, look, this is a wart. And how do we know? How do we know it's a wart? You know, what differentiates a wart from a callus, from a porokeratoma to a, uh, I don't know, lipoma, whatever, you know. Um, I mean, typically that, that's a good picture because it's those little pinpoint black dots. Yeah. So yeah. what these little black dots are, are small capillaries that the wart virus, your HPV virus, is pulling in from your normal body and coming out to the surface. And that's what people will say, I think I got you know, you know, a splinter in there. Sometimes you'll see one or two only just on the superficial. And sometimes this one, I bet you, you know, someone scraped down recently. You'll see a bunch of them. I've joked with patients that if we could you know, discover how the wart virus is attracting neovascularization or new blood vessels in to feed it, we could maybe use that for good. I mean, you could actually use that in wound care somehow. Yeah. So, you know, all the PhD scientists out there, 
somebody much smarter than we are, someone needs to figure out how the war virus is doing this and see if we can harness this for some sort of good. Perfect example would be for wound care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any any grafts you put on there? Oh, yeah. Wounds? You could sprinkle on some DNA from the human papillomavirus <laughs> and get the thing to grow some blood vessels. Yeah. That'd be phenomenal. But in this case, it's walling itself off. It's creating this callus lesion that's full of these blood vessels. When you pinch it from side to side, it hurts. So, yeah. yeah. So on direct Classic. pressure, that's a good point. On direct pressure, less pain. You're right. Side to side, very painful. Because mm-hmm. it's literally, it's coming out from that basin membrane and pushing out. So it's pushing that skin out. And a good important point, yeah, is one of the diagnostic features is you're seeing bending of normal skin lines. The skin lines aren't running through the area. They're actually bending around it. That's another uh, diagnostic feature. Yeah. So why are we so worried about warts? Um, I mean, honestly, it's mostly just pain. Um, They're not life-threatening. They're not um, too problematic, but they are very, very tender. So a lot of times patients will come in with like slippers on and they're like walking or limping across and I'm like seeing them walk down the hallway. I was like, oh, poor kid probably broke his foot or something. But it ends up being just like a small little wart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we talked about it's the HPV virus, the human papilloma virus, which causes a bunch of other problems if you... But it's a it's a strain that doesn't, at least as far as I know, does not respond to the HPV vaccine that's yes. used for cervical warts. Yeah. Yep. So unfortunately, the strains are different enough that you don't get um, eradication of this because, boy, that would be nice. If we had a vaccine for this, Bam. that'd be fantastic. But we do not. So there's different types of warts that we'll, you know, we'll see. Honestly, the two most common are solitary or mosaic in pattern. Solitary, usually one or two small right there, very deep-seated, usually large mushrooming or cauliflower appearance. Um, and then mosaic are usually more superficial and they'll spread out wide rather than um, having one or two deep. And, you know, it could be hundreds. Yeah. We've had patients, I yeah. mean, I've, I've had patients that I've literally had to kind of sit there and, and clean up pretty much for like half an hour because it's on both feet and it's just spread across there. And I, they are contagious. I've had a couple of mosaic warts that encompass the entire heel. Oh my God. I mean, they were, they were bad, you know, and, and we've, Recently, we've excised some in the operating room because they were so big and the lesion we were going to leave behind really required some sort of grafting. And so that uh, we were using umbilical cord to graft these. And that's worked pretty well. So, yeah, they can get big. All right. So treatments. So first and foremost, you got to take off that superficial callus. All right. That's A1, step one, you know, first bullet point because that superficial callus is, you know, it's thick callus and you're not going to penetrate with anything. Home remedies. All right. Pay attention. Apple cider vinegar, garlic, aloe vera, banana peels. They do not work, okay? That is, <laughs> Despite what TikTok might tell you. This is the stuff you want to throw in your salad, all right? I've had, I've, 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 Except the duct tape. Yeah, oh, the duct tape is the one part that does work. Well, um, but you wouldn't want that in your as salad. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as an adjunct to your other treatments. And, there, and the reason being that they believe is because the adhesive irritates the skin, causes an immune response. Yeah. So it's not really the duct tape itself, it's the adhesive. But all this other stuff, I, I don't know where it comes from. Oh, it man. seems like apple cider vinegar is a cure-all. I've had patients literally tape um, chunks of garlic to their foot. I had this one patient where I was back in training. Had, uh, uh, they heard that if you cut off a 
stem portion of the onion and tape that to your foot, that that does something. Um, I mean, it, it's all I mean, crazy. Garlic it's, might ward off vampires, but I don't. It's not gonna cure a ward. Yeah. Aspirin. I, I saw that. I've never seen someone do that, but I mean, I couldn't imagine that's how aspirin works. Salicylic acid. Just because it's it's an acid. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, it's not salicylic acid. It's acetylsalicylic acid. But anyway, I don't know. I, I there's a lot better options out there. Let's just think about that. So real options. All right, your baseline therapy. Most patients have tried some level of this. Um, your wart compounds, your compound Ws, your salicylic acid, hydrochloric acid, uh, a bunch of them. Salicylic acid tends to be the most common thing that people will use, but the downfall is they'll use a very weak strength. I've had patients use 10%, 5%, 2%. The stuff that they use for like you know, small, you know, scars and stuff for the skin and stuff. You got to use like 40% or more uh, salicylic acid on these warts. It, usually if it's on the bottom side of your skin, the palmar or plantar surface, that's thick skin. You got to get past that superficial callus and penetrate down to that basement membrane from where that HPV virus is actually active. The salicylic acid, it doesn't necessarily kill the virus. All we're doing is aggravating the skin enough that it can uh, have that immune response that we're looking for. Well, that end, I think you're what you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to shed skin as quickly as possible yeah. so that you can shed virus at the same time Yeah, the way, while you're hopefully engaging the immune system. Yeah, yeah and the way that salicylic acid works, it's, it's a antikeratolytic agent where uh, it's fancy words of saying that the cells, the way that they adhere to one another, like bricks and mortar, it goes in and breaks up that mortar uh, around the bricks unless that skin just kind of shed off, which works great for corns, calluses, warts, you know, diffuse, you know, dry, cracky skin. And that's why we use it for warts because you have that superficial layer of, of hyperkeratotic tissue, that thick callus on top, and that you'll shave away or, or pumice stone away. And then you'll put that wart compound on there and that salicylic acid will seep in and hopefully allow that wart to pop itself out and or phase away. So um, mo most of these people have tried, they get frustrated, then they finally make their way in to see us, and then we can talk about hitting it with the big guns. Yeah, so big guns. I'm a big fan of 5-fluorouracil. I know you are too. Right. I know that you like to use uh, uh, cathartin, or how do you pronounce that? Uh, Cantharidin or cantharidin. yeah. There's many, many studies out that show the effectiveness of all these. The only downfall of most of these studies is the, that they have different concentrations, which is it's a shame because there's so many uh, studies out, but they don't they don't talk it, about the exact com concentration. I guess there's some it, sort of it's hard to compare them apples to apples because of variables in the studies. I agree. Yeah. So when I have a patient, I'll I'll shave it down. Right. We'll get it to that pinpoint bleeding, and then we'll apply that 5-fluorouracil and salicylic acid compound to let that eat away. And then we'll send off a prescription to the patient's pharmacy, and they'll get that same generalized compound. And they'll apply it to that wart every day up until it goes away. And my little trick that I like to recommend, because 5-fluorouracil is like salicylic acid on steroids, it, you want to <clears> wall <throat> off that protective, that normal skin. So you can tape it. You can get those little corn pads with donuts. You can do whatever you want to, you know, whatever. I, I like duct tape. Yeah. It seals it off. But the 5-fluorouracil acts differently than the salicylic acid. Yeah, salicylic, so, so the 5-fluorouracil is really going to go after damaged DNA. Yeah, so 5-fluorouracil is actually for... I don't know if it's 5-fluorouracil or fluorouracil or whatever combination thereof. The way it works, it's actually a, a chemotherapy agent that mm -hmm. they use for tumors 
and other type of cancers that are fast growing, same thing like a wart, which is growing and, and growing out fast, the uh, fifluorouracil literally goes in and it's like, oh, this thing is growing faster than your baseline tissue. So it has a tenfold stronger response on that fast growing tissue, which it's its own downfall. You know, uh, that wart's trying to grow as fast as it can and that fifluorouracil is just pretty much eating away at it. So that combined with the vigorous blistering and peeling from the sal acid is really a great one-two punch. Yeah. And now the way that, can, how do you spell that? Cantheridin. Cantheridin. Mm-hmm. The way that cantheridin works is that it's a, it's a vesicant, meaning that it goes in and aggravates that skin, blisters that skin, but it only aggravates it at that epithelial level, mm-hmm. meaning it will not penetrate that basement membrane. That's why this has become so popular because it, it used to be a medication used for a bunch of other things. At one time, I, during my research, we were looking into you know using it for you know other type of compounds back when I was in my fellowship. But I came across some studies where they thought uh, cantherdin was going to be something to invigorate your male sex hormones and things. Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, aphrodisiac. Aphrodisiac. Yeah, it was It was studied to be an aphrodisiac. Yeah, I know it was fatal, right? This yeah. is, these are, you know, <laughs> it's probably yeah, not a good idea. Many, many studies, many, many years ago. But uh, they found out it was, it was fatal or life-threatening or whatever. But uh, now it's being studied to be used as a topical wart therapy. And it's so nice because it only goes to the basement membrane, same as your wart. And it doesn't leave a scar afterwards where a certain, you know, other chemicals and salicylic acid included, it can leave scarring of the tissue if it penetrates deep enough or if you do any aggressive, you know, debridements and things. I, I've had reasonably good success with cantherin as well. It's nice because you can apply it right here in the office. Yeah. But there are patients who get a vigorous eschar. It's painful. Yeah. You have to sometimes put them on pain medication. So it's a little less subtle than the 5-FU and salicylic acid compound. So I, I usually use the 5-FU sal acid compound first. But if we got a struggle, if we got a struggling wart and it's just being recalcitrant, then I'll hit it with the canthrin in here. In the, the big office. guns. Yeah. All right. So this is kind of what you'll expect to see. The patient will come in. looks like they've been using the some type of wart compound on this. And uh, I bet you this is the fifth or sixth, you know, week out. Honestly, I, I, I tell patients you're looking at about six weeks, give or take, mm-hmm. a month if it's small, six weeks, give or take. And if things aren't looking ideal at that point, then we bring in the big guns. I'll have them come in every two weeks. We'll shave it down. We'll put that compound on there. And it, it, it shrinks so fast. That first visit is super tender because it's large and it has some depth to it. But once they start using that compound, it honestly it like flakes off. And, and sometimes it'll, the whole thing will just kind of pop out. Patients would be like, oh, I was just changing the dressing and I was pulling the bandage off and it felt like it tore something and I saw it was just kind of stuck to the band-aid and I had this little dell in my skin and it kind of healed in from the inside out. And that's ideally what we want to see because that wart is technically walled off from that normal uh, skin cells around it. And if you see it get really inflamed and start oozing, most of the time that's because your immune system's kicked in. You've got white blood cells going after it. And usually within a week or two after that event, it, the thing's gone. Oh, yeah. So that's not a bad sign when you see that. It's not that it's getting infected. It's your body's immune system is finally getting targeted. All right. Next line of therapy, cryo. This is very, very common. I used to use liquid nitrogen quite a bit in the office. It used to come in a big jug and we'd fill these little canisters and put that on there. Now they got more easier things to use. They come in little 
CO2, CO2 cartridges that you punch. They come in little cans and sprays and things. Um, they work well. The only downside that we would see with the, uh, the freezing, the cryotherapy for warts, is that you'd also get a big blister, just like your, your cantherdens. It's, it's like a give and take, you know? You're, you're putting a superficial thin layer of frostbite on that skin, and obviously your body's gonna try to heal itself, and that's what we're trying to do, is activate that immune response and let your body kick that uh, virus off that skin. But yeah, you gotta shave down that superficial callus, you'll put that little freeze gun to it, let that liquid nitrogen or whatever CO2 or whatever you're using, freeze it away, and bam, presto changeo, hopefully, you know, one or two treatments, it kind of falls off. But it, it is less tolerated uh, than your simple topical um, ointments and creams. And oftentimes, you know, we'll get patients from dermatologists who've already tried that and it's yeah. not worked. And if you get a really big wart, it's difficult to use. But for the really small little one, two millimeter ones, the, oh, yeah. this could be effective. Yeah. So, oh, here we go. So that's honestly what it looks like a lot of times that when we'll freeze it and they'll come back uh, in like a week or two and they're like, hey, look, I think something's going on. Something's infected or whatever it might be. Yeah. And they're literally, it's like a superficial layer of frostbite, but clears up, it heals up. Typically there's no scarring after these, which is really nice. And they're just um, a little bit more painful than I like to recommend, but it works well. Don't get me wrong. Um, and more tolerated by children, honestly. If you're sitting there with scraping and they're not tolerating it, you put a little freeze to it. Um, it works really, really well. Laser. All right, this is one of my favorite techniques. I'll try everything, you know, conservative, topicals, creams, and usually around that four or six week mark, if things are not improving at the rate I want to, I'll shave it down and then I'll bring out our laser and we'll set it to the wart removal setting. And I'll do my little zigzag in one phase and zigzag in the other phase. And hopefully we'll see that wart pretty quickly phase away. You will get a little you know, redness, swelling. You may have some blistering on the skin, depending on the type of laser you use. There's dozens of different lasers, CO2, uh, UV, ultraviolet. I mean, there's a, a new one called um, Sonowave, something like that. I don't know, it works like a microwave pretty much. Uh, there's, you know, there's dozens of different options out there, but they all work to a different level extent. It's just, uh, you know, you're cauterizing that skin with a, a laser. That's why I like to reserve it for the more stubborn type of wounds, or if they're super mosaic, I'll, I'll be like, look, this, there's too much on this. You're, you're either gonna peanut butter sandwich, you know, spread that peanut butter, you know, on that on that wound, all that cream, or we'll we'll laser and shrink it down. But uh, um, yeah, a, a good option, and it works very, very, very well. There we go. Some some nice before and afters. You can kind of see uh, in the end, it all heals up without any type of scar. Yeah, the, as long uh, as you don't violate the basement membrane. Yeah. Yeah, you, know, you can do this without scarring. All right, last option. When all else fails, you can surgically excise these. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of these because I do think they take a lot longer to heal. I usually like to shrink it down as much as I can, and then if needed, I'll excise them. But I mean, that's like maybe one in, I don't know, one in 50 that I'm probably doing. Not I've often. Had, I've had a couple that we have hit with everything but the kitchen sink. Yeah. And would just get waxing and waning and waxing. And so I've had three in the last two months that we decided, okay, it's time to go to the operating room. Yeah. And you're, you're carving these out with the intent that you're going to treat this like a tumor. So you're going to do a two millimeter margin of normal tissue. But then I am stapling in a piece of cryopreserved umbilical cord. And that Neox 1K graft, I think works great. And 
when you staple that in, it'll dry out a little bit. It'll develop a little bit of a, a eschar or a scab. And then underneath, that tissue has access to stem cells, growth factors, an anti-inflammatory component from the umbilical cord. And you'll see these turn around within two to three weeks. I can then debride off that eschar, and I've got either a very superficial wound underneath or skin. I mean, it, it's been remarkable. So I think in yeah. those cases where you've got a bigger wound or it's really failing. Something like this. It really failing. Uh, all, yeah, I mean, it's really failing all, all of their attempts. I think that that combo is the best of both worlds because it addresses the, the wound that you're creating and allows the body to heal it up as quickly and efficiently as possible. Yeah, it used to be where people would ellipse out the entire skin margin, but that now, you know, with all these studies and pathologies and histologies, you know that there's a wall of healthy tissue and then a solid wall of viral tissue uh, that you can pretty much scoop out. So a lot of times patients will, will see that will scoop around the edges or use the needle to kind of make a edge, and you put your curette to it, and it comes out as like one giant lump, uh, like a little soft tissue tumor, and bam, you cure at the inside. I know some people will electrocautery, will mm -hmm. uh, silver nitrate, phenol, salicylic acid, uh, what have you, and then, you know, fill in deficit if you can, if it's big enough, if it needs it. And uh, yeah, these uh, do heal well. They are extremely tender to walk on because they're on the bottom of your foot and you have a giant sore. Again, where the umbilical cord's helpful. Yeah. Because the ones that I've done with the umbilical cord, the patients had little to no post-op pain. But it does work. This is your when all else fails uh, recommendation. If this is your go-to treatment initially, you're going to be sore, um, but you will recover faster. It's like a give and take. So recovery. All right. Recovery for any of these or, you know, your home care therapy options for any of these. You're just going to keep it covered. Keep the pressure off of it as much as you can because obviously it can be a little tender. And, you know, uh, let that uh, wart resolve. For my patients that are going through the chemical treatments, I do like to recommend getting bandages that don't breathe. You want to get like duct tape or mm -hmm. your waterproof bandages or, or these little pledgets that, that come out that you typically have like a thin layer of tegaderm type of backing to them or you know, like saran wrap type of backing to them. And what that does, it allows that chemical to seep in and not, you know, wipe off onto your sock or evaporate away or... You know, I put it on for an hour a day. I just sit there with it on my foot and then I walk around and it rubs off on my carpet. You know, you got to let that chemical do its magic and keep on doing its magic throughout the day. The, the reason that duct tape honestly works so good is because it sticks so much better to the bottom of your foot than it, uh, most anything else. Everything else kind of will start releasing um, when, you, when your feet start sweating, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but duct tape is one of those things that works really well. I had my brother actually use duct tape uh, for his work. It on his hand, but it worked out really, really well. You know, the salicylic acid, fifluorouracil, and that duct tape. I agree. And then obviously, if you're you're treating it, you want to offload it sometimes if it's tender on, on a pressure spot. Yeah. So the quarter inch felt pads, those can be helpful. Yeah. Excellent. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. When you have a nine mile hike and a planner work for company, you will suffer, suffer me. me. <laughs> That's awesome. Very good. All right. Well, that is the uh, complete story in 25 minutes or less about Veruca plantaris or the dreaded plantar wart. If you decide to use oregano oil on your foot, <laughs> I will find you. All right. Yeah. Leave the garlic for your Italian food. <laughs> Don't put it on your foot. 
But we will see you guys next time on The Pod Doctors. Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe, and be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.